Hello, and welcome back to Riverside Readings. I am your host, Trent Miley, and today we will be continuing on our journey of our Shakespeare sonnet series. In part five, which covered sonnets 81 to 105, we saw a continuation of our poet's paranoia. This predominant emotion turned the lover into an accuser, attacking the vanity of the one he loves and calling her praise-seeking after having eyes for another. Doing all he can to win her back, he pleaded on bended knee that he will accept this new version of her and will do everything he must to make her happy. Overcome, we saw our lover appeal to the muses for guidance. What lies ahead for our two? Will the muses intervene? Will these two continue spiraling downhill? Or will we have more questions than answers? I look forward to what we discover in part six of our Shakespeare sonnet series on Riverside Readings. When in the chronicle of wasted time I see descriptions of the fairest whites in beauty making beautiful old rhyme in praise of ladies dead in lovely nights, then in the blazon of sweet beauty's best, of hand, of foot, of lip, of eye, of brow, I see their antique pen would have expressed even such a beauty as you master now. So all their praises are but prophecies of this our time, all you prefiguring, and for they looked but with divining eyes, they had not skill enough your worth to sing. For we which now behold these present days have eyes to wonder, but lack tongues to praise. When in the history of past time I see descriptions of the most beautiful people, and that beauty making beautiful old poems, praising ladies who are now dead and lovely knights. Then in the praise of the most beautiful things, of hand, of foot, of lip, of eye, of forehead, I see that the writers of the past would have expressed the beauty that you effortlessly possess now. So their praises were only prophecies of the present, all of them predicting new. And because they only looked through their predictions, they did not have enough skill to praise you properly. For we, who can actually see the present days, have eyes to admire you with, but lack tongues to praise. Not mine own fears, nor the prophetic soil of the wide world dreaming on things to come, can yet the lease of my true love control, supposed as forfeit to confined doom. The mortal moon have her eclipse endured, and the sad augurs mock their own presage. Incertainties now crown themselves assured, and peace proclaims olives of endless age. Now with the drops of this most balmy time, my love looks fresh, and death to me subscribes. Since spite of him, I'll live in this poor rhyme, while he insults o'er dull and speechless tribes. And thou in this shalt find thy monument, when tyrants' crests and tombs of brass are spent. 
neither my fears nor the prophetic soil of the whole world imagining the future can control the lease of my true love which is thought to be subject to a certain destruction the mortal moon has experienced her own eclipse and the sad prophets now refute their own predictions uncertainties now appear to be certain and peace brings eternal olive branches now with the healing drops of this time my lover looks young and even death submits to me since despite death i will live in this poor poetry while he rules over boring and mute tribes and you in this poem will find your memorial when king's crests and brass tombs are worn away what's in the brain that ink may character which hath not figured to thee my true spirit what's new to speak what now to register that may express my love or thy dear merit nothing sweet boy but yet like prayers divine i must each day say o'er the very same counting no old thing old thou mine i thine even as when first i hallowed thy fair name so that eternal love in love's fresh case weighs not the dust and injury of age nor gives to necessary wrinkles place but makes antiquity for a his page finding the first conceit of love there bred where time in outward form would show it dead what thought in my mind that ink can represent that has not represented to you my true spirit what is new to speech or what new to writing that can express my love of your excellent quality nothing sweet boy but like holy prayers i must write my love for you every day considering no old thing old you mine i yours just like when i first honored your beautiful name so that eternal love in love's new body does not suffer the dust and harm of aging or provide a place for wrinkles to appear but makes old age forever his page finding the first idea of love grown from there where time in appearance makes it look like it's dead oh never say that i was false of heart though absence seemed my flame to qualify as easy might i from myself depart as from my soul which in thy breast doth lie that is my home of love if i have ranged like him that travels i return again just to the time not with the time exchanged so that myself bring water for my stain never believe though in my nature reigned all frailties that besiege all kinds of blood that it could be so preposterously be stained to leave for nothing all thy sum of good for nothing this wide universe i call save thou my rose in it thou art my all i will never say that i was unfaithful although my absence seemed to diminish my passion it would be easier for me to part from myself than to leave my soul behind which lies in your chest your heart is the home of my love if i have strayed like a traveler i am coming home again at the appointed time unchanged by the passing of time 
so that I can wash away the stain of my absence. Never believe, although my nature is dominated by all the weaknesses that besiege all kinds of blood, that I could be so absurdly corrupted to exchange all your goodness for something worthless. I call the whole universe worthless, except you, my rose. In it, you are my everything. Alas, tis true, I have gone here and there, and made myself a motley to the view, gored mine own thoughts, stole cheap what is most dear, made old offenses of affections new. Most true it is that I have looked on truth askance and strangely, but by all above, these blenches gave my heart another youth, and worse essays prove thee my best of love. Now all is done, save what shall have no end. Mine appetite I never more will grind on newer proof to try an older friend, a god in love, to whom I am confined. Then give me welcome, next my heaven the best, even to thy pure and most most loving breast. Alas, it is true, I have gone here and there, and made myself a fool in front of everyone cut up my own thoughts, sold cheaply what is more precious, repeated old offenses because of new passions. It is true that I have treated fidelity in an unfriendly way, but despite this, these sideway glances rejuvenated my affections, and bad experiences proved that you are the best. Now all that is done except for what will last forever. I will no long wet my appetite with new lovers, to test an older friend who is a god of love and to whom I belong. Then please, welcome me into what is next to heaven, your pure and most loving heart. Oh, for my sake do you with fortune chide, the guilty goddess of my harmful deeds that did not better for my life provide than public means with public manners breeds. Thence comes it that my name receives a brand, and almost thence my nature is subdued to what it works in, like the dyer's hand. Pity me, then, and wish I were renewed, whilst like a willing patient I will drink potions of easel against my strong infection. No betterness that I will better think, nor double penance to correct correction. Pity me then, dear friend, and I assure ye, even that your pity is enough to cure me. O oh, blame fortune for my sake, the goddess responsible for my harmful actions, who did not provide me with better life that of living in the public eye, which breeds public manners. Thus it has happened that my name has been disgraced, and that has almost entirely dominated my nature to the medium it works in, like the cloth's dyer's hands. Have pity on me, and wish that I can be restored. While I will, like a willing patient, drink bitter potions to cure my strong infection, there is no bitterness that I will think of as bitter nor will I consider it a second act of penance to correct again something that has been corrected. 
Pity me then, dear friend, and I assure you, just your pity is enough to cure me. Your love and pity doth the impression fill which vulgar scandal stamped upon my brow. For what care I who calls me well or ill, so you or green my bad, my good allow? You are my all the world, and I must strive to know my shames and praises from your tongue, none else to me, nor I to none alive, that my steeled sense or changes right or wrong. In so profound abysm I throw all care of others' voices, that my adder's sense to critic and to flatter stopped are. Mark how with my neglect I do dispense. You are so strongly in my purpose bred that all the world besides me thinks you're dead. Your love and sympathy fills in the mark that a public disgrace has stamped on my forehead. But what do I care who calls me good or bad? since you cover my badness and accept my goodness. You are all the world to me, and I must strive to know my disgrace and praise from your speech. No one else exists for me, or I to anyone alive, and you change right and wrong in my stubborn mind. Into a deep abyss I throw all worries about other people's opinions, so that my deaf mind is closed to critics and flatterers. See how I neglect everything. You are so much a part of my plan that the whole world besides me thinks you are dead. Since I left you, mine eye is in my mind, and that which governs me to go about doth part his function and is partly blind, seems seeing, but effectually is out. For it no form delivers to the heart of bird, of flower, or shape which it doth latch. Of his quick objects hath the mind no part, nor his own vision holds what it doth catch. For if it see the rudest or gentlest sight, the most sweet favor or deformest creature, the mountain or the sea, the day or the night, the crow or dove, it shapes them to your feature, incapable of more, replete with you. My most true mind thus makes mine untrue. Since I left you, what I see is only in my mind, and the eye that directs me when I am walking gives up his function, and is partly blind, and seems to see, but is effectively blind. Since it does not deliver images to the heart, a bird, a flower, or any shape that it grasps, the mind cannot contain the living objects that the eyes see, nor in its own vision can it hold what it sees. Since if it sees the most vulgar, or the gentlest sight, the sweetest sight or the most deformed creature, the mountain or the sea, the day or the night, the crow or the dove, it transforms them into you, incapable of receiving more, since it is full with you. My mind is so true that it makes mine untrue.
O weather doth my mind, being crowned with you, drink up the monarch's plague, this flattery. Or whether shall I say, mine eye safe true, and that your love taught it this alchemy, to make of monsters and things in digest such cherubims as your sweet self resemble, creating every bad a perfect best as fast as objects to his beams assemble. O tis the first, tis flattery in my seeing, and my great mind most kingly drinks it up. Mine eye well knows what with his gust is green, and to his palate doth prepare the cup. If it be poisoned, tis the lesser sin that mine eye loves it, and doth first begin. Or is my mind, being full of thoughts of you, drinking up the plague of kings, this flattery? Or should I say that my eye is correct, and your love taught it this alchemy, making monsters and disgusting things look like angels that resemble your beautiful self, creating from every bad thing a perfect thing as fast as objects are seen by the eye? Oh, the first is true. It is the flattery of my vision, and my great mind drinks it up like a king. My eye knows my mind's taste very well, and prepares a drink to please his palate. If it is poisoned, it is still not the greatest crime, because my eye loves the poison and drinks it first. Those lines that I before have writ do lie, even those that said I could not love you dearer. Yet then my judgment knew no reason why my most full flame should afterwards burn clearer. But reckoning time, whose millioned accidents creep in twixt vows, and change decrees of kings, tan sacred beauty, blunt the sharpest intents, divert strong minds to the course of altering things. Alas, why, fearing of time's tyranny, might I not then say, now I love you best. When I was certain or uncertainty, crowning the present, doubting of the rest. Love is a babe, then might I not say so, to give full growth to that which still doth grow? The lines that I have written before are lies, even those that said that I could not love you more. But then my judgment didn't have reason to believe that the most perfect passion would later be more intense. But taking into account time, whose millions of chance events come between promises and change the decrees of kings, ruin sacred beauty, and blunt the most eager intentions, and divert strong minds into the course of mutable things. Alas, fearing time's tyranny, why could I not have said, I love you most right now, when I was certain beyond any uncertainty certain of my present, and suspecting everything else. Love is a baby, so why can't I say that, to make fully grown what is still growing? Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when an alteration finds, or bends with the remover to remove. Oh no, 
It is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempest and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark, whose worth's unknown, although his height be taken. Love's not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. If this be error and upon me proved, I never writ, nor no man ever loved. Let me not, to the marriage of two true minds, admit any obstacle. Love is not love if it changes when it encounters any changes, or agrees to withdraw when another removes his love. Oh no, love is a mark always fixed in place that looks down on storms and is never shaken. It is the star that guides every boat lost at sea, and whose worth is unknown, although its height can be measured. Love is not time's fool, although rosy lips and cheeks come within the range of time's sickle. Love does not change with time's short hours and weeks, but endures even until the edge of death. If this is untrue, and I am proved wrong, I never wrote, and no man ever loved. Accuse me thus, that I have scanted all wherein I should your great deserts repay, forgot upon your dearest love to call, whereto all bonds do tie me day by day, that I have frequent been with unknown minds, and given to time your own dear purchased right that I have hoisted sail to all the winds which should transport me farthest from your sight. Book both my willfulness and errors down, and on just proof surmise accumulate. Bring me within the level of your frown, but shoot not at me in your weakened hate. Since my appeal says I did strive to prove the constancy and true virtue of your love. Accuse me like this, that I have neglected everything that I should have done to repay your great rewards, forgot to call upon your dearest love, which all bonds tie me to every day, that I have frequently been with strangers, and given to time the right that you bought expensively, that I myself raise the sail to all the winds that transport me furthest from your sight, record both my willfulness and errors and add suspicions to this list of just accusations. Bring me into the range of your frown, but do not shoot at me with your awakened hatred, since my defense is that I did strive to prove the constancy and power of your love. Like as to make our appetites more keen with eager compounds we our palate urge, as, to prevent our maladies as unseen, we sicken to shun sickness when we purge. Even so, being full of your ne'er-cloying sweetness, to bitter sauces did I frame my feeding, and, sick of welfare, found a kind of meatness to be diseased ere that there was true needing. Thus policy and love, to anticipate the ills that were not, grew to faults assured, 
and brought to medicine a healthful state which, rank of goodness, would be ill be cured. But thence I learn, and find the tr lesson true. Drugs poison him that so fell sick of you. Just as we, to sharpen our appetites, simulate our palates with strong mixtures, just so, to prevent illnesses we have not foreseen, we become sick by purging to avoid sickness. Even so, being full of your sweetness, which is never too much, I ate bitter sauces to help my appetite, and sick of good health, found it suitable to make myself sick before I actually became sick. This cunning strategy of love, to anticipate future problems, became a problem in itself and caused a healthy state to need medicine which, full of goodness, would be cured by badness. And from this I learn, and find the lesson true. Medicine poisoned him who became sick of you. What potions have I drunk of siren tears, distilled from Limbeck's foul as hell within, applying fears to hope and hope to fears, still losing when I saw myself to win? What wretched errors hath my heart committed, whilst it hath thought itself so blessed never? How have mine eyes out of their spheres been fitted in the distraction of this maddening fever? O oh, benefit of ill, now I find true that better is by evil still made better. And ruined love, when it is built anew, grows fairer than at first, more strong, far greater. So I return rebuked to my content, and gain by ills thrice more than I have spent. What potions have I drunk, made from siren tears, distilled from vessels as foul as the pits of hell, using fears to remedy hopes, and hopes to remedy fears, still losing when I anticipated winning? What? wretched mistakes my heart has committed, while it thought itself to be never more blessed. My eyes have burst out of their sockets in the confusion of this maddening fever. Oh, the benefit of badness is that I know now it is true that something good is made even better by evil. And ruined love, when it is built up again, grows more beautiful, stronger, and greater than before. So I return, chastised, to my contentment, and gain by evil three times more than I have spent. That you were once unkind befriends me now, and for that sorrow which I then did feel needs must I under my transgression bow unless my nerves were brass or hammered steel. For if you were by my unkindness shaken, as I by yours, you've passed a hell of time, and I, a tyrant, have no leisure taken to weigh how once I suffered in your crime. Oh, that our night of woe might have remembered my deepest sense, how hard true sorrow hits. And soon to you as you to me then tendered the humble salve which wounded bosoms fits but that your trespass now becomes a fee. Mine ransom yours, and your ransom must ransom me. The fact that you were once unkind is a friend to me now. And for the sorrow that I felt back then, 
I would feel for my own transgression, unless my nerves were made of brass or hammered steel. For if you were shaken by my unkindness, as I was by yours, you must have gone through hell, and I, like a tyrant, have not considered how I once suffered similarly under your crime. Oh, if our night of sadness could have reawakened my deepest feeling, how hard true sorrow hits, and if only I had tended to you as quickly as you did to me the humble remedy that heals wounded hearts, but your offense now becomes a fee. My mistake forgives yours, and yours must forgive me. Tis better to be vile than vile esteemed, but not to be receiver's reproach of being, and the just pleasure lost which is so deemed not by our feeling but by other seeing. For why should others' false adulterate eyes give salutation to my sport of blood? Or on my frailties, why are frailer spies, which in their wills count bad what I think good? No, I am that I am, and they that level at my abuses reckon upon their own. I may be straight, though they themselves be bevel. By their rank through my deeds must not be shown, unless this general evil they maintain. All men are bad, and in their badness reign. It's better to be vile than to have a vile reputation. When not to be vile is reproached for being vile, and the legitimate pleasure is lost when it is labeled as vile, not by our own feeling, but by others who see us. For why should the false and unfaithful eyes of others point out my playful behavior? Or why should weaker people spy on my weaknesses, which in their desire seem bad what I think is good? No, I am what I am. And those who aim at my flaws should count their own sins. Maybe I am straight, and they are crooked. My actions shouldn't be revealed by their disgusting thoughts, unless they maintain this universal maxim. All men are bad, and they prevail in their wickedness. Thy gift thy tables are within my brain full charactered with lasting memory which shall above that idle rank remain beyond all date even to eternity or at the least so long as brain and heart have faculty by nature to subsist till each to raised oblivion yield his part of thee thy record never can be missed that poor retention could not so much hold nor need I tallies thy dear love to score Therefore, to give them from me was I bold, to trust those tables that receive thee more, to keep an adjunct to remember thee were to import forgetfulness in me. Your gift, your notebook, is in my brain written in lasting memory, which will remain above the rank of physical things beyond all in, even to eternity. Or, at the least, as long as the brain and the heart have their natural facility of survival, until they have submitted to a 
raced oblivion their parts of you, your memory can never be forgotten. That weak receptacle of memory could not hold so much, nor do I need records to remind me of my love for you. Therefore, I gave away the book, to trust my memory to retain your image better. To keep a helper to remember you would imply I could forget you. No, time, thou shalt not boast that I do change. Thy pyramids built up with newer might to me are nothing novel, nothing strange. They are but dressings of a former sight. Our dates are brief, and therefore we admire what thou dost foist upon us that is old, and rather make them born to our desire than think that we before have heard them told. Thy registers in thee I both defy, not wondering at the present nor the past, for thy records and what we see doth lie, made more or less by thy continual haste. This I do vow, and this shall ever be. I will be true, despite thy scythe in thee. No, time, you will not boast that I change. Your pyramids, built up with new power to me, are not new or strange. They are only versions of what has been seen before. Our lifetimes are brief, and therefore we admire whatever old thing you force on us, and rather make them suit our desires than think that we have heard of them before. I defy both your history books and you, refusing to admire the present or the past, for your records and what we see both deceive and are made unreliable as time passes. But I promise this, and it will always be true. I will be true, despite you, time, and your destruction. If my dear love were but the child of state, it might for fortunes be unfathered. As subject to time's love or to time's hate, weeds among weeds, or flowers with flowers gathered. No, it was builded far from accident, it suffers not in smiling pomp, nor falls under the blow of thralled discontent, where to the inviting time our fashion calls. It fears not policy, that heretic, which works on leases of short-numbered hours, but all alone stands hugely politic, that it nor grows with heat nor drowns with showers. To this I witness call the fools of time, which die for goodness, who have lived for crime. If my love was only a product of circumstances, it might be considered the illegitimate child of fortune, and made subject to time's love or hate, a weed among weeds, or a flower among flowers. No, it was built far away from accident. It does not experience the vulnerability of kings, or falls because of the disapproval of its own subjects, which is the fashion that these inviting days call for. It is not afraid of strategy, that heretic, whose influence only lasts for a short time, but stands all alone, very prudently, so that it does not grow with heat or drown in showers. As witnesses to this, I call those who are the fools of time, who die for goodness, when they have lived for crime.
Were it aught to me, I bore the canopy, with my extern the outward honoring, or laid great bases for eternity, which proved me more short than waste or ruining. Have I not seen dwellers on form or favor lose all and more by paying too much rent, for compound sweet foregoing simple savor, pitiful thrivers in their gazing spent? No. Let me be obsequious in thy heart, and take thou my oblation, poor but free, which is not mixed with seconds, knows no art, but mutual render only me for thee. Hence, thou suborned informer, a true soul, when most impeached stands least in thy control. Would it mean anything to me if I held the canopy? honoring with an outward showing of dignity, or if I put down the foundations to everlasting monuments, which prove to be more short-lived than waste itself or ruin. Have I not seen those who live for beauty and favor lose everything and more by spending too much on lavish, sweet things instead of simple favors, those pitiful spenders who spend too much by looking? No. Let me be obedient in your heart, and take my simple but free offering, which is unadulterated and undeceiving. In return, I can only offer what is mine for what is yours. Go away, you false witnesses. A true soul, even when accused of terrible things, is least in your power. O thou, my lovely boy, who in thy power dost hold time's fickle glass, his sickle hour, who hast by waning grown, and therein showest thy lover's withering, as thy sweet self growest, if nature, sovereign mistress over rack, as thou goest onward still will pluck thee back, she keeps thee to this purpose, that her skill may time disgrace, and wretched minute kill, yet fear her, O thou minion of her pleasure, she may detain, but not still keep, her treasure. Her audit, though delayed, answered must be, and her quietus is to render thee. O you, my lovely boy, in your power you hold time's fickle hourglass, his sickly hour. Aging has made you grow more beautiful and in doing so you reveal the withering of your lovers as your sweet self grows. If nature, who is the queen and master of destruction, will jerk you back as you proceed towards death, she is keeping you for this reason, so that her skill can disgrace time and destroy his wretched minutes. But you, the subject of her pleasure, should still fear her, she may detain you from death, but not ultimately keep you from it. Her bill, although delayed, must eventually be paid, and the satisfaction of her debt is to give you up. In the old age black was not counted fair, or if it were, it bore not beauty's name, but now is black beauty's successive heir, and beauty slandered with a bastard shame. For since each hand hath put on nature's power, 
Faring the foul with art's false borrowed face, Sweet beauty hath no name, no holy bower, But is profaned, if not lives in disgrace. Therefore my mistress's eyes are raven black, Her eyes so suited, and they mourner seem as such who, Not born fair, no beauty lack, Slandering creation with a false esteem. Yet so they mourn, becoming of their woe, that every tongue says beauties should look so. In olden times, dark coloring was not seen as fair, or if it was considered fair, it wasn't called beautiful. But now, black is beauty's next heir, and beauty is slandered with the shame of illegitimacy. Since each hand has captured nature's power, making a foul face fair with the false and borrowed face of cosmetics, sweet beauty has no legitimate title to claim, and no sacred temple. But is defiled, or if not, then it lives in disgrace. Therefore my mistress's eyes are black like ravens. Her eyes are dressed similarly, and they look like they are in mourning for those who, not born beautiful, have become beautiful, slandering nature with a false reputation. But those dark eyes mourn, looking so good in their sorrow, that everyone says beauty should look dark like them. How oft when thou, my music, music playest upon that blessed wood whose motion sounds with thy sweet fingers, when thou gently swayest the wiry concord that mine ear confounds, do I envy those jacks that nimble leaf to kiss the tender inward of thy hand, whilst my poor lips, which should that harvest reap, at the wood's boldness by thee blushing stand? To be so tickled they would change their state in situation with those dancing chips, or whom thy fingers walk with gentle gait, making dead wood more blessed than living lips. Since saucy jacks so happy are in this, give them thy fingers, me thy lips to kiss. How often when you, who are my music, play music on that blessed wood instrument, which vibrates with your sweet fingers, and when you gently move the harmony of strings that amazes my ears, I envy those keys that leap nimbly to kiss the tender inside of your hand, while my poor lips, which should be collecting the harvest of your kiss, stand blushing at the boldness of the wooden keys. To be tickled like that, my lips would gladly change place with those dancing wooden blocks over which your fingers walk with gentle steps making dead wood more blessed than living lips since those cheeky upstarts are so happy to be there give them your fingers and give me your lips to kiss The expense of spirit and a waste of shame is lust in action. Until action, lust is perjured, murderous, 
bloody, full of blame, savage, extreme, rude, cruel, not to trust. Enjoyed no sooner, but despised straight, past reason hunted, and no sooner had, past reason hated as a swallowed bait on purpose laid to make the taker mad. Mad in pursuit, and in possession so, had, having, and in quest to have, extreme, a bliss in proof, and proved, a very woe, before a joy proposed, behind a dream. All this the world well knows, yet none knows well to shun the heaven that leads men to this hell. The spending of spirits in a wasteful and shameful act is the activity of lust, and, until the real action, lust is unfaithful, murderous, bloody, and deserving of blame, savage, violent, crude, cruel, untrustworthy. It is no sooner enjoyed, but it is hated straight after. It is sought unreasonably, and no sooner had, but it is hated unreasonably and as a swallowed bait that was laid intentionally to make whoever takes it mad. Mad when they pursue it, and mad when they have it. Violent in having, having had, and wanting to have more. Blissful to taste, but miserable to have tasted. Before consummation, it is a joy promised. After, a mere dream. All the world knows this, but no one knows it well enough to resist the heaven of lust, which leads men to this hell. My mistress's eyes are nothing like the sun. Coral is far more red than her lips red. If snow be white, why then her breasts are done. If hairs be wires, black wires grow on her head. I have seen roses damaxed, red and white, but no such roses see I in her cheeks. And in some perfumes is there more delight than in the breath that from my mistress reeks. I love to hear her speak, yet well I know that music hath a far more pleasing sound. I grant I never saw a goddess go. My mistress, when she walks, treads on the ground, and yet by heaven. I think my love as rare as any she bellied with false compare. My mistress's eyes are nothing like the sun. Coral is far redder than the red of her lips. If snow is white, then her breast or a dull brown. If hairs are wires, black wires grow on her head. I have seen Damaxed roses, red and white, but I do not see the color of roses in her cheeks. And some perfumes are more delightful than the breath that reeks out of my mistress. I love to hear her speak, but I also know that music has a much more pleasing sound. I admit that I never saw a goddess walking. My mistress, when she walks, treads on the ground. but. By heaven, I think my love as rare as any other woman misrepresented by false comparisons. If you enjoyed listening to me talk, 
I have another show on Spotify called Extra Point. X-T-R-A-P-L-I-N-T with Bakari Garvin, my good friend. And we have an Instagram at Extra Point Pod X-T-R-A-P-L-I-N-T-P-O-D And if you want content or knowledge about your charming host, me, Trent Miley, follow my professional Instagram at Riverside underscore readings. This has been Riverside Readings. I am your host, Trent Miley, and I look forward to the next journey we take together. As Last Pod would say, hail yourself and magustalations. <laughs>